there, true believers, and welcome to Simply Devotion, the podcast that is all about seeking Jesus on deeper theological levels, because he is worthy of all of our devotion. Well, hey there. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Devotion, the podcast where we like to look at the depths of the theological ramifications of Jesus Christ and why Jesus is worthy of our full devotion. Now, this week, we are going to cover a topic that I bet no pastor has probably covered for you in any sermon at church. We are going to take you on an audible tour of Israel and explain the geography to you so that when you read the Bible, it will pop and come alive for you as you understand the regions and the territories in the terrain of which the stories of these biblical accounts take place. Remember, this season is all about learning about the historical Jesus and the real world that he lived in when he was on the earth. I will say, of all episodes, the show notes for this episode is probably going to be the most helpful as we will put many pictures and maps within the show notes. So, simplyvinnie.com backslash maps for the show notes. Now, let me introduce to you with a grand introduction, my good friend, professional educator of all things Jesus, Pastor Dr. PJ. What, what do your kids call you again, man? Yes, Dr. Professor PJ. <laughs> yes. But I guess we could add pastor to that too. I am ordained. You are an ordained pastor on top of that. Well, we are in for some scholarly type of discussion today. I am glad to interrupt your dissertation writing, John, to um, <laughs> make you focus on everyone's favorite topic. How do we navigate a map? Yes. Yeah, this is the part when I try to teach um, to my students and then they're like, um, why is this a history class now? Like, why is this a geography class? But the reality is that when you understand the geography and the history of the land that these Bible characters lived in and all these stories took place in, we get a better understanding it just seems like when it comes to geography of israel that people just like sort of assume everything is happening at the temple like there'll be a story about like maybe the wedding of cana or maybe a story about jesus healing at capernaum and they'll be like yeah yeah that, that must have happened around the corner from the temple but like <laughs> that's like three and a half hours on a bus away from the temple, right? And so the reason we want to talk about maps is because we want to make sure we understand of where these places actually are. I want to let the listeners know that at simplyvinnie.com backslash maps, 
there will be show notes for this particular episode. And there will be particularly the map that we're looking at right now together, but there will also be other uh, images from my own trip to Israel and other maps there so that you can, if you want to right now, you're listening to this, you could go right now to simplyvinny.com backslash maps. And as you're listening on your smart device or your computer, you can pull up the show notes and see the maps that we are talking about right now. Yeah, we're going to do our best to try and describe uh, the geography uh, because this is a podcast and we know most of you are listening um, and maybe you're driving or maybe you're, you know, washing dishes or something and you're listening in on the podcast. We'll do our best to describe what the geography looks like. Uh, But definitely when you get a chance, just pull up a map. Go to the places that that Vinny uh, talked about, or just Google it, or whatever, so that you get a really good idea of of what exactly we're talking about. Right. Let's start with the big picture, and by big picture, I mean global picture. One of the big un- misunderstandings I run across is people not even, you know, sometimes being unclear about where Israel is on the globe. We sometimes misplace where Israel actually is in the world unless we look it up on Google Maps. <laughs> so 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 John, where is the nation of Israel located on the globe? Right. So the nation of Israel is located in what we would call the uh Middle East. And what does that mean? Well, Vinny lives up in uh Virginia. I live in Florida, so we're we're on the east coast of the United States. Mm-hmm. If we were to, you know, maybe meet in the middle somewhere, you know, or if I were to drive up to where Vinny is, actually, I think the last time I went to Israel, I we flew out of D.C. to go to Israel. So right right around, if I were to drive up to where Vinny is in the D.C. area, we would get on a plane, we would travel across the the Atlantic Ocean. And we would go over the entire ocean and uh, we would go past Africa and up in the northeastern boundary of the continent of Africa, you there's a little sliver of land there uh, that that would contain Israel. Exactly. If we were being sort of analytical for a minute, Israel is closer to Africa. It's like literally a little land bridge in the northern part of Africa, the northern eastern part of Africa, connecting Asia and eventually Europe. Definitely, I think, I mean, it's a judgment when you're looking at it, the eye. I haven't really measured out miles. <laughs> but, but when you're just sort of spotting it, when I show it, to my class that I teach here at the church, its location, their 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 initial shock is it's in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's definitely right there. In you know, it, it's literally. I mean, Africa is within. I guess for their time within walking distance, right? Um, because you know they they walked everywhere during the it was time in of camel Jesus. distance. 
<clears throat> yes, within camel distance, uh, for sure. Uh, camel distance. I guess if you walked, it'd be pretty bad. But, um, but yeah, it was within camel distance of um, Egypt, which is in Africa, right? So, and actually, Jesus spent his early years in Egypt. Uh, but I think we're going to talk about that in a later episode. But yeah, so Israel is a lot closer to Africa and definitely more accessible to Africa at the time of Jesus than it was to Europe. Yeah, and I think a really important point is that when God was considering the location that his holy temple would be built, is he was placing it in a place that would be central to the populated portions of the world at that time. Now, I don't want to sound anti-indigenous. Originally, you know, if we believe the biblical account, life began in the Middle East, or at least I can't say that. I can't be certain where Eden was, but the Ark settled in Iraq, uh, Mount Ararat, right? Um, maybe Turkey, Iraq, in around someplace in there. There's dispute about the exact location. But, you know, so if we are following and tracking with that and we're believing that all life got off the ark, then we would believe the indigenous people of the world um, started there as well. And so basically Noah has three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jephthah. And um, Ham goes down into Africa and Jephthah journeys towards what we came to know as Europe. And Shem, which is the lineage of Abraham, so the lineage of Jesus, is sort of the eastern side. It goes towards Iraq, Assyria, Iran, and Asia. Life spread out from there. I would imagine the indigenous people finally crossed the land bridge over to the Americas. When? I don't know. But the point is, life starts there. And the point is, Israel itself is located on a land bridge that spans the distance that connects those three major regions that life after the ark populated Asia, Africa, and Europe. All the nations would have to travel through this little bridge to get any place. Particularly when, when eventually trading starts mm -hmm. to become a thing, you know, there's products and stuff in Asia that you want to transport mm -hmm. to Africa and, or things from Africa that you want to transport up into Europe, you know, Israel is kind of in the middle of that, mm -hmm. right? Israel would be in those major trade routes uh, go, uh, that connect the then known world. We couldn't sail around these continents in, in the early days. We traveled mostly by land, by um, by camel, by, by animal, by donkey, whatever we did, right? Um, and in large groups, we're sort of nomadic. Everybody would have to come through it and hopefully learn about Yahweh on their journey through Israel. Yes. Yeah, it's almost as if when God said, hmm, if I'm going to give my people a land that would help spread the message of who I am, 
that would be a pretty good place to put it. What we call Israel today is only part of Israel, right? So Israel's borders on Jordan and biblical Israel includes both Israel and what we would now call Jordan. Right. The River Jordan is key. So even as in today, the River Jordan would separate what would be the nation of Israel and the nation of Jordan. It's the River of Jordan that becomes one of the biggest landmarks when we think about how you might view in your mind Israel. The River Jordan kind of is running through the middle of biblical Israel. Now, it doesn't go all the way to the top. It doesn't go all the way to the bottom, but it's running mostly vertically through the nation of biblical Israel. Yeah. And, and something that I think uh, the people need to understand is geographically, Israel is not a large country. Um, yes, Jordan River goes down the middle of the country, but really from the top of the country to the bottom of the country, I mean, you're talking about give or take, you know, 100 miles, right? From, from the top of the country of Israel to the bottom of the country of Israel. It's not a big country mile-wise. Um, and so the Jordan River goes through I don't know, about half of that, you know, mm -hmm. about half of that country right down the middle. Basically, in addition to the River of Jordan, which we know John baptized at, right? Mm -hmm. In addition to the River of Jordan, there are two seas on either end of the River of Jordan. Right. So a sea in the north and a sea in the south. And both of those seas are really good landmarks. So if we think about Israel as kind of being a slanted rectangle <laughs> and in the middle is a river called Jordan. And at one end of that river is a sea. And at the other end of that river is a sea. But neither of these seas are oceans, right? Right. That's correct. So a lot of times when we think of the sea, uh, you know, we think of of ocean, the you know, Pacific Ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, maybe even the Mediterranean. Right. Which is kind of a bay area that an ocean feeds into. So while these two seas are at either end of the River Jordan, there is also another sea because the Mediterranean Sea does border on one side of Israel as well. And that's correct. I'm just making it clear that these two seas we're talking about is not to be confused with the Mediterranean Sea because it does, that is, like you said, a bay that is an inlet to the ocean. Correct. But yes. these two seas are inland seas, right? Correct. They're in, they're within the landmass. There's no ocean that feeds into it, really. Right, right. Now, both of these seas are extremely famous and you know, one is famous mostly because of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the other is famous, yeah, you know, we could say because of Jesus, but not really just because of Jesus. It's the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is famous for a lot of different reasons. When you visited Israel, John, yeah, did you get to visit the Dead Sea? We did. It was fun. Why was it fun? So the Dead Sea, all right, again, if we if we go back and think about our geography, 
right? Mm-hmm. Sea of Galilee is in the north, mm-hmm. and the Dead Sea is in the south, and right. the Jordan River connects both of these seas. Correct. So the water that flows from the Sea of Galilee flows through the country, and it ends up in the Dead Sea. Um, and the thing about the Dead Sea is that it is below sea level. So all water, not just the Jordan River, but anytime it rains or whatever, all water flows into the Dead Sea, which causes it to have a very high mineral content. So when you go into the Dead Sea, you float. It is impossible to sink in the Dead Sea. (laughs) Yes, yes. The water is so dense that you cannot sink. You, you have to float. Your body just floats on the water. And again, the reason for this is because the Dead Sea is basically where water stops traveling. Water evaporates eventually, but the minerals stay there. And so over time, this place has developed this very high mineral content. Now, it's a great tourist area today. You mm-hmm. can go there. There's changing rooms and bathrooms and stores. You know, it's like having a beach day right you can buy mud to take home because the mineral level in the mud is so good for your skin that that people literally try to take the mud from the dead sea home for for um facial treatments yes you're absolutely right and so while we were there with our particular group um you you noticed a lot of people particularly women who were grabbing a Mm -hmm. lot of the Mm -hmm. the dirt from the bottom of the sea. I mean, you couldn't get it from deep in, but you know, along the shore, they would grab this mud, they would just spread it, you know, like lotion all Mm -hmm. over their Mm -hmm. bodies, let it kind of sit there for a little bit before washing it off. Part of the thing about the Dead Sea is it's called the Dead Sea because everything in it is dead. It has such a high content of salt and other minerals. There is no fish. There is there are no plants. There there is nothing in this sea. Um, it is dead for for all intents and purposes. So if you're one of those people that avoids the beach because you're afraid of getting attacked by a shark or something, the Dead Sea is the place <laughs> for go. you. If you can't swim and you're afraid of like some sea monster getting you or a shark, you need to go to the Dead Sea, right? Yeah, that, exactly. It's it's famous because. The Dead Sea is the lowest point on the globe. Like, I want you to think about that because it is literally the lowest point on the globe. The areas around the Dead Sea are kind of mountainous. Like, mm-hmm. the Dead Sea is in the region we would call Judea. Right. Okay, and we, we, we know that word a lot from the Bible, right? You know, Jerusalem is in Judea. Yes. Jerusalem. Actually, Go the ahead. Word the word Judea um, actually means land of the Jew. And so Jerusalem is on a mountain. There are many mountains around Jerusalem. The whole area is built up in Judea. But then, so you're going to go from Jerusalem, not only down the mountains that are in this hilly area, but you're literally going to go to the lowest point on the earth. 
Jericho, which is a city, which we also know from the Bible, is down along the Dead Sea. And there is the great story in the book of Joshua, which there is significant archaeological evidence for. If you have a chance to visit there, they will show you where the walls fell. Yes. There's some talk about the city being smaller than we anticipated, but you you can see that walls fell in Jericho. Like, that's a fact. You know, one of the things that stuck out for me was when we went to that archaeological site of Jericho and we saw these walls that were toppled over. You know, if you think of of a city being conquered by another nation, right, if you're on the outside of the city, where would you topple a wall towards the inside inside of the city? But these walls are not toppled towards the inside as if somebody was on the outside pushing their way in. These are toppled away from the city, which seems as though, obviously, if you live in that city, you wouldn't be doing that. So right. clearly something happened that yes. that toppled this, this city that wasn't an outside city trying to get it. Jericho's history, John, is extremely fascinating overall. It is the city that is at the lowest point of the earth. So there is no other civilization, no other city that is at such a low point in the earth. And it's famous for another reason, John. But Jericho is the one city in all of the history of the known world that has remained continuously populated. Do you remember in Jericho, Mm -hmm. uh, they have what is supposed to be the location uh, of the tree that uh, Zacchaeus climbed mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so that he could see Jesus. And we did go to that location. I did see that tree. I don't know if it's the exact same tree or not, but if it was populated continuously for the longest time, then maybe they did know where the tree was. And maybe, in fact, that was the tree that Zacchaeus encountered Jesus in. We have around the Dead Sea, we're looking at the southern part of the country now. Edom is going to border on Egypt in the southern part. So Edom is going to be going sort of towards... Yeah, southwest. From where the Dead Sea is, southwest. Edom is southwest of the Dead Sea. Yes. In the land where Ruth is from, remember that land? Yes. The Moabs? Yes. That is southeast of the Dead Sea. It's literally to go there now, you have to cross over Israel and go into Jordan. Right. Um, we also visited that area when we were here. When we were there, it was pretty, you know, we, we basically just drove through it on a bus. But it was kind of fun when we drove through it. Um, there was like, we passed like this place and it was called the Moabite Inn. Okay. <laughs> And the home of Ruth, you know, like, so sort of (laughs) trying to make it touristy, right? But in in that time, both sides of the Dead Sea would have been Israel. But now the east side of the Dead Sea is the country Jordan, a Muslim country Jordan. Right. Um, And the east side is Israel. We have the Judean mountains down there. And if we're just to sort of go directly west of the Dead Sea, we're going to run into, you know, a few significant places that Christians might be interested in, right? Oh, for sure. Uh, One of those places is uh, going, I mean, let's start with the most famous one, right? Uh, We're going to look at Jerusalem. 
right? So Jerusalem is, I don't know, I would say maybe 15, 20 miles to the west of of the Dead Sea. And of course, you have to descend, you have to arise up into Jerusalem because Jerusalem is on a mountain. So Jerusalem is now on a high point. Uh, so from where the Dead Sea is, lowest point of earth, anywhere you go from the Dead Sea is going to be up, right? right. It's going <laughs> to go up in elevation. So uh, Jerusalem is to the west of that, about 15, 20 miles. Um, and right next to Jerusalem, you have the Mount of Olives, uh, this is uh, a place that Jesus visited. Uh, it's the place that he was praying in uh, before he was arrested. Uh, so that's right next to uh, Jerusalem. In, in in my mind, I, I see the Mount of Olives as being Jerusalem, just sort of being the mountain beside Jerusalem. But I guess technically I, it's a different place. Like it's yeah. so close, right? Yeah, I guess, you, uh, you know, you could, and maybe in modern times it is considered Jerusalem. Uh, of course, at that time, at the time of Jesus, all cities would have been uh, inside walls. Sure. And so the city would have been anything inside of those walls. And then sure. outside of those walls, it's something else, right? So uh, because the Mount of Olives is over outside the walls, sure. uh, you know, I didn't consider it as part of Jerusalem. But yes, they're right on top of each other. You can see Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. There's a section on the Mount of Olives that's a graveyard for the Jewish people and they- The tomb of the prophets. Yeah, they choose to be buried there because whenever the resurrection happens, the first thing that they wanna see is Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Yeah, they call um, it the tomb of the prophets. Yeah, yeah. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty neat place and I'm not allowed to be buried there, uh, unfortunately, but you know- Because you're not is, Jewish? Yeah, so- <laughs> I don't think they bury people there anymore. I mean, there are no, some vacancies. Do. I saw some empty tombs, but they don't, they just let you tour them, not be buried there. I mean, you probably have to be really, really rich and and very well connected to be buried there. But but if I'm remembering correctly, there was a funeral taking place when we went through there. Oh, cool. Um, so it, it's just, it's interesting, um, you know, just to kind of, realize that the Mount of Olives is an important location, not just for Jesus, but for Jews in general. Right. So on the Mount of Olives is where Gethsemane is. Yep. Right. You, the Mount of Olives has Gethsemane on it. It has the perch where Jesus preached um, the end of the world sermon he preached in Matthew 24 and 25. In season one, we called it the Sermon of Olives. Mm -hmm. the end of the world sermon, which we have many episodes in season one, you can go and check out. Um, so a lot of significant things happen. You go down the Mount of Olives and you go through Kidron Valley and Kidron Valley. Again, you're going down from a mountain and then you're coming back up another mountain to Jerusalem and you go into the city. Mm -hmm. You pass by significant places. Um, and that's more than we're going to get into all today but just sort of connecting that area john i on, on my birthday i was there on my birthday and on my birthday i hiked up the mount of olives saw the place where jesus supposedly preached the sermon of olives mm -hmm. pre and, and hiked down to some 
choice locations where church fathers said that Jesus walked. I mean, I don't know. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's true or not, but um, we had to get special permission to go in. We had a great tour guide who um, really had local connections. And then we marched down there. We went through Kidron Valley. We came up and then we went to the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem is the one of the locations we believe could be the tomb of Jesus. And in my opinion, not to get into a giant debate about it, the Holy Sepulchre is definitely where the tomb of Jesus was. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think most scholars are on that side of it. Um, yeah, but the nonetheless, history and the, the documentation is, is leans in that direction for sure. Right, right. All that is just to say it was the best birthday I ever had. but the best birthday so you celebrated the day you were born by seeing where jesus was buried exactly right (laughs) seizing seeing where jesus is buried and verifying he's not there amen yeah right Yeah. yeah and and um a lot of people don't realize but where the church of the holy sepulcher you know it has it has the location of the tomb of Jesus, but also within the same building, the same church, you have the location of where Golgotha, right? Is, right. Which is where right. Jesus would have same been giant crucified. cathedrals covering both sites. So it's it's very much within walking distance, right, from mm-hmm. where Jesus died to to where he was buried. The day I was there, and now we're getting sidetracked, but just because we're talking about it. The day I was there, the lineup to see Gagatha and the lineup to go inside the tomb and see that it was empty literally passed by each other because there were so many people there trying to see both of those sites. Um, But John, you have Jerusalem, you have the Mount of Olives, and then you have Bethany, which is on the other side of the Mount of Olives, like off to the side of the Mount of Olives. Is Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, if if uh, Bethany would be directly south from the Mount of Olives, Jerusalem is kind of like southwest from mm-hmm. the Mount of Olives, mm-hmm. uh, but it's definitely within the same vicinity. It, it, it's a walking distance, and so Jesus used to stay in Bethany when he visited Jerusalem. Yes. In 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 Bethany is where Lazarus, Mary, and Martha traditionally lived. Yes, it, and it was also the place where Jesus, when he wanted to get away from the crowds and just find a comfortable place where he knew he could relax, that's where it was, in Bethany. Right. Also, it was the place that he resurrected Lazarus from the dead. Right, and I actually got to go to that tomb, and cool. I, I actually went down in that tomb. It's not a comfortable fit for a large adult, <laughs> but... It was a significant enough sight that I squeezed myself down into Lazarus tomb. And I will just, for the sake of my listeners, confirm. There were two tombs that I went into and both were empty. Jesus' tomb was empty and so was Lazarus. <laughs> yes. But, but there's another important city in that same region, right? Yes. So a little bit further south, we we run into Bethlehem. Bethlehem. That's an important city. Why is Bethlehem an important city? Well, it is the place where Jesus was born. And uh, I think we're going to get into that a little bit more. In- we, have a ha- we have an episode where we'll talk about the birth of Jesus. But 
what is unfortunate about modern day is Bethlehem is in Palestine. Yes. And Jerusalem is in Israel. And they are, you know, the whole, you know, Israeli-Palestinian conflict, right? Mm -hmm. That's one of the borders. It is. And I remember when when we were crossing the border from Jerusalem into Bethlehem, it's it's literally like going into another country. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to stop. There's customs. There's soldiers that are standing there. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. checking buses, confirming buses. Our Jewish uh, travel guide, he did not go into uh, Bethlehem with us. It was another tour guide who who took over, a Palestinian tour guide who took over and and gave us the tour of Bethlehem. Yeah, yeah, great, interesting fact. You know, to, to understand that Palestine and Israel is the same land, but is divided. Gives you perspective. You know, th- this is a tumultuous piece of land. Right. You know, there's definitely a lot of conflict in this area. So if you were to go from Bethlehem and you were to go, I don't know, 75, maybe 100, maybe less miles south, you would literally be in Africa. You would literally be in Egypt, right? Yes. Yeah, you would go south, uh, southwest uh, through through um, Edom and into Egypt. Right. Now, I think it's really important. I just point that out again to the listeners. Because to understand the closest landmass to Israel is Africa. Because, you know, I have a whole episode when I talk about the ethnicity of Jesus in season one. And, and we've sort of whitewashed Jesus. And, but but Jesus, this, this region is more close to Africa and, than it is to Europe. So Jesus is probably much darker than our Fabio pictures of him. Um, for sure right Um, yeah and so it's just worth pointing that out because this this whole season is about understanding the historical real Jesus as opposed to the westernized sometimes fable influenced Jesus now um, Judea itself as you go north now we're going north we're following the, um, the river Jordan from the Dead Sea up towards the other sea on the other end which is the sea of galilee yes which we haven't talked about the sea of galilee we haven't so we're gonna jump from the south now to the north side and remember the river jordan is between these two seas and there is a sea at the top of the river jordan as well and that sea is the Sea of Galilee. But, John, that's kind of misleading, isn't it? To call it the Sea of Galilee? Yes. Yeah, I, I guess it is misleading because, again, normally when we when we think of sea, we think salt water. We think of an ocean. You know, at least the Dead Sea had salt in it. But the Sea of Galilee is a body of fresh water we would call it a lake yes so the sea of galilee is in reality the lake of galilee right (laughs) and most people do not know that right yeah a lot of people don't i mean i'll be honest it 
most of my childhood, I just thought it was like the ocean, but it's not. It is a fresh water body of lake. As a matter of fact, the Sea of Galilee today in modern times is the primary source of fresh water for the entire country of Israel. Right. Um, so so it is it is an important body because it is fresh water, so it provides drinking water to the entire country today, but it's also a source of food because a lot of fish can be found in the Sea of Galilee. And so when we think about the fishermen that are described in the Bible, they're all fishing off into the Sea of Galilee. Right. They're not fishing in the Dead Sea because nothing's alive there. Correct. I mean, there could be some fishing going on in the Mediterranean scene that, that is off to the side. But yes. most of the fishing of the biblical characters we know is freshwater fishing. Yes. At the Sea or Lake of Galilee. Now, I would say this too about the Sea of Galilee or the Lake of Galilee. We wouldn't want to downplay it as just a lake, you know. It's a huge lake. Yes, it is a very large lake. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I, I I wouldn't necessarily put it in, in the category of the Great Lakes here in the United States because I think it's a little bit smaller than the Great Lakes, but it is very, very largely. Yeah, I don't think it's like the size of Lake Ontario or or Erie, but 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 it it's not small. It it, it may be comparable to one of the smaller Great Lakes. Yeah. Um, it, it's a large body of water. I took a boat out on it. It was a beautiful thing we did. We I don't know if you went out on it or not. Yeah, we did. It was fun. Yeah, we took a boat out on it one uh, Sabbath evening and uh, we just sort of, you know, we're out there for a couple of hours. And, you know, when you're out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, you'll forget it's a lake because you won't see land. Yeah, yeah, it's it's and I guess that's why it was called a sea. Right. Because it because of its size, we would consider it to you know, look like the ocean or something like that. Well, think about ancient worlds. How are they going to know that it's not a forever going body of water, right? It's right. it's humongous. Yeah, it is. It is a very large sea. And of course, because this is a source of fresh water and it is also a source of food, there are a lot of cities that get set up around the Sea of Galilee. That's true. That's true. Now, I want to throw this out there, John, just just so we can put some landmarks down. Okay, so the Sea of Galilee is really important. The Dead Sea is really important. They're at either end. And there's something significant at either end of them as well. Jerusalem is by the Dead Sea on the other end of the country. But by the Sea of Galilee is an equally important city. There's several important cities, but there's what important city? Nazareth. The place where Jesus grew up. The place where Jesus grew up in uh, Capernaum, the place that adopted Jesus and claims him as his hometown. Well, yeah, it's interesting because when you look at the gospel narratives uh, in the book of Luke, particularly, uh, Jesus is in Nazareth. He goes to the synagogue on Nazareth. He's asked to read from the prophet Isaiah. Jesus basically comes super close to saying he is the Messiah, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And Nazareth Luke is four. like, yeah, Luke 4. Nazareth is like, nope. <laughs> we're not we're not having this uh and and they literally tried to 
to take him. Of course, the Bible tells us that somehow he makes it through the crowd that wants to kill him. And and he he then goes on from there into Capernaum. And so Jesus moves from Nazareth to Capernaum. And that's where he he casts out a demon in the synagogue there. Um, he starts performing many healings in that area. And literally, he becomes way more accepted in Capernaum than he did in Nazareth. And so Capernaum ended up becoming his home base mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. for ministry. Now, Capernaum yeah. is an important site, too, because Peter is from Capernaum. Capernaum. So if you were to go to uh, Capernaum, there is a church there that has been built over the top of the archaeological site. And if you go into that church, there's a glass floor mm-hmm. where you can walk up to it and you can look down into the archaeological site that is believed to be Simon Peter's home. Right. And and it's important just to say for our listeners, John, that we generally are not upset in the Holy Lands when we learn that there's a church or a cathedral or something built over a holy site. Because what actually happens in the ancient world is these cathedrals and churches and um, institutional buildings that are built over these holy sites are actually protecting the site, making sure the site is not vandalized or looted. And throughout history, mark the site so that it wouldn't be forgotten. Right. Today we have, you know, national historic societies or something that would preserve, you know, ancient or, or historical sites. But back then we didn't have that. Uh, Back then, if you wanted to preserve a holy site, churches were the way to do it right <laughs> so they they built these churches in in a lot of these very important sites right and um there's a synagogue just less than what you would consider a city block away from peter's house you can yes. walk right down from peter's house to a synagogue and that's a synagogue that jesus worshiped in yes and the remnants of it are still there. You can literally leave that synagogue that Jesus worshipped in, that Jesus did a miracle. He cast a demon out in that synagogue in Capernaum. And you can walk from that synagogue out the front of that synagogue down the street, the same street Jesus would have walked down, and go to Peter's house where when Jesus was done casting out that demon he went to peter's house and healed peter's mother-in-law so that she would get up and cook him lunch yeah (laughs) i mean that's how mark puts it i'm just saying (laughs) yeah you're right um and so it's it's very interesting um it's interesting when you're actually there to kind Mm -hmm. of see how close a lot of these things are in proximity to each other. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, some places are very far, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus is not in Capernaum, and then the next day he's in Jerusalem, right? No, that's a two-hour bus ride. Yeah, those are on opposite ends of the country. But Jesus could be in Capernaum casting out demons one day, and then the next day preaching the Sermon on the Mount. Right. So, so let's do that. Let's just, okay. So if we think about 
the Sea of Galilee as a little sea, and just in the same way we name the cities that are around the Dead Sea, if we just quickly look at the Sea of Galilee, Nazareth is kind of off to the side, but Nazareth is sort of the most southern city by the Sea of Galilee. Then you have Tiberias. It was also mostly a Gentile and Roman occupied place. Right. So Nazareth, Tiberias, Magdala, mm-hmm. where, you know, Mary of Magdala. Yes. Uh, Cana, Cana. We have the wedding of Cana. Jesus turning water into wine. Right. Then you have the the Mount of Beatitudes, where you have the Sermon on the Mount. Yes. Then you have Capernaum and then Bethesda, right? Yeah, Bethsaida. Oh, is that how you say it? Bethsaida? Yeah. Bethsaida or Bethsaida. And and Bethsaida or Bethsaida is literally translated house of fishing. I didn't know that. Yes. House of fishing, Bethsaida. So, uh, so it's possible that some of the other fishermen who were part of Jesus's disciples came from Bethsaida. That makes sense. That makes sense. And if you were to go a little bit more north to to the east, you have Caesarea Philippi. And yes. if you go north to the west, you have Tyre and Sidon. Yes. And um, Tyre is famous because in the Old Testament, this is the place where Satan is from or or the cherub who ascends over the throne of God or seeks to, right? Yes. Caesarea Philippi is where Peter correctly identifies that Jesus is the son of God, the Messiah. Yes, and Jesus famously says, and upon this rock, I will build my church. Right, And the gates of hell will not overcome it. Right. And so I just like to talk about this for half a second, and I will definitely put pictures of this in the show notes at simplyvinny.com backslash maps. That was one of my favorite sites to visit um, because Peter makes that proclamation there and finally understands. And that site is a site that is dedicated to every pagan god in the world. <laughs> yes. Like literally pan of pantheans pantheism is has a temple there they worship the emperor there there were temples of fairies and nymphs and all kinds of things in Caesarea Philippi because the northern part and I think that's where we'll probably talk about next northern part of the country had a lot of gentile influence right yes and so they had a lot of their Romans altars. settled in this area. Roman, Greco-Roman. So they had their altars and their gods set up there too. And it's like Jesus takes the disciples to the Caesarea of Philippi, which is this giant sort of mouth that opened up and a river flowed out of it. Yes, it's it's a grotto, I believe it's what it's called. It's a, it's a grotto and and water kind of goes into this cavernous area. Right, right. And in like, so in the pagan traditions, this was the gates of hell. Yes. In the pagans' traditions, this is the way to the underworld. Yes. Um, and, and so Jesus takes Peter and the disciples up there and in the place where everybody's worshiping everything but God. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus is like, who do you say I am? Mm-hmm. In the presence of all of this paganism. Mm-hmm. You know, they're literally 
looking around and they're seeing all of these pagan statues and and marks of pagan religion. Jesus turns to Peter, says, who do people say that I am? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just sort of an interesting story there. But but yeah, talk about the whole region and why, as as opposed to Judea, which was very conservative and very Jewish. Why was Galilee the area that Jesus himself is from and where most of the stories, this is the other thing our listeners need to understand, most of the Jesus stories and miracles doesn't happen in Judea. Some do, but most happen in Galilee. And Galilee was not super Jewish. It had lots of pagan, lots of Gentile, lots of Roman influence there. What's all that about? Well, a lot of um, a lot of Romans settled into this area. So like Tiberius would have been a primarily Roman uh, region. Of course, the Jews, they still kind of want to maintain their identity. And so there's a little bit of separation, you know, by cities. So, you know, Tiberius would have been mostly Roman, but then, you know, you go into Magdala or Cana or Capernaum, that's mostly Jewish, keep going around the Sea of Galilee on the eastern side. And that's where you have the Decapolis, which is a lot of uh, Gentile influence as well. This is that's the Greek area, name, where, right? Yes. Uh, Decapolis means 10 cities. And, uh, and so there was 10 cities over on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee that were all, all uh, Gentile, right? They weren't Jewish people. And so the reality is, is that when you live in close proximity to non-Jewish people, you kind of rub off on each other. The Jews that lived in this area were not super strict when it came to their religion. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was reading in a, in a commentary not too long ago, Nazareth was again in this in the region of Galilee and uh, the Jewish rules were kind of lax in Nazareth to the point where people weren't necessarily super strict on keeping a kosher kitchen right mm. Um, mm. you know so yeah if a bug you know accidentally got into your water you know you're just still gonna take a swig of that water right you're not gonna try to strain it out or anything like that they you know they were kind of lax on things like that and so it's interesting because it's the polar opposite of judea geographically but mm-hmm. also uh also religiously right in the south where judea is you have very very good practicing Jews. And then the further By good, you mean conservative. Yes. uh, Yes. uh, Definitely influenced by the Pharisees. And then the further north you go, um, you know, they get a little bit more relaxed on, on the rules. Those fences don't mean as much. Right. But then there's this region in between. This region in between Galilee, which is at the one end, 
and Judea, which is at the other end. And in Galilee, we have the Sea of Galilee as our marker. And in Judea, we have the Dead Sea as our marker. And in between them, there's this really sort of iffy territory that good Jews wouldn't even go through. Good Jews would, would, would go all the way around the Jordan side to avoid it. And this area was sort of a nasty place to the Jews. It was Samaria. Yes. And this is where the Samaritans lived. And the Samaritans had a very rocky relationship with the Jewish people uh, that extends to uh, the time of um, after the time of captivity, the Babylonian captivity. Jews started returning to Israel, to the promised land. They started returning to Judea and the Samaritans uh, weren't the one. You know, they were just kind of like, nah, we'll just kind of, you know, we're not super interested in going back with you to rebuild the walls and, you know, try to establish Israel as a nation again. And and so, you know, they were just kind of considered almost to be like traitors. So that divide never healed, even to the point of the time of Jesus. But this spot is also Shechem of the Old Testament. This spot is also the place where Abraham and Lot picked their two mountains and went opposite directions, right? This spot is actually the spot where when Israel came up out of Egypt, they brought Joseph's bones and buried them. And this is a spot where Jesus sits down at a well and drinks water with a Samaritan woman, okay? It's a very highly historical, significant place. But Jesus comes and sits down at a well with a woman. We, we, we kind of like call her the woman at the well. And the well that Jesus sat on is still there to this day. It's in the bottom surprise of a cathedral. (laughs) But again, we're glad because the well would have been destroyed. And there is little to no archaeological argument if this is that well. Because there is only one well in that whole region and ever has been. There's only one place where you could reach the water table. And I remember we went to that well, went down, and we drank from that well. Um, We actually had the women in our group drop the bucket down (laughs) and uh, draw the water (laughs) from the well. Um, And we sang that hymn. There's a song about the woman at the well. Um, this is an important story that the Gospels tell because the Samaritans were so despised by the Jews. They were offended that Jesus would be talking to a woman, much less a, a Samaritan. Yeah, yeah. They were, they were highly offended. How could Jesus do something like this? She's also shocked too, right? She's like, you know, she's like, she's like, how can you ask me for a drink? Right, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How? Why would you be asking me for a drink? This doesn't make sense. Your people don't interact with 
my people. And and Jesus is like, listen, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink hmm. and I would give you water. I would give you living water that you would never thirst again. Now, John, I drank from the well that Jesus drank from that day and I got thirsty again. But if we drink from Jesus water, not the well of the woman, we would never thirst again. This woman, she asked Jesus, which group was right? <laughs> this ancient argument been going on in our land since the beginning of Second Temple Judaism. Who is right? Should we worship in Jerusalem like your folks say? Or up by the well that we're drinking at that Jacob told us of? And Jesus says, the time is coming. And now is that God's people would worship how? In spirit and in truth. It's not about Judea. It's not about Samaria. It's not about Galilee. It's not about the capitalists. It's not about Edom. It's not about America. It's about what? Truth and spirit. Because the woman, uh, when she hears Jesus say these things, and Jesus is saying, yeah, you know, spirit and truth, right? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know when the Messiah shows up, he's going to explain all of this to us and everything will be, all right. will be put right when the Messiah explains this all to us. And Jesus, the one who offers the living water, the water that we will never, if we drink from it, we will never be thirsty again. He looks right at this woman's eyes and he says, I, the one who am speaking to you right now, right. I am he, I am the Messiah. And to my knowledge, it is the only place in all of scripture that Jesus specifically acknowledges that he is the Messiah. Right. I am the one that the Samaritans have been waiting for, that the Jews have been waiting for. And here on this well, I am telling you that I'm going to give you water that will satisfy your thirst, your hunger for God in a way that it has never been satisfied before. You have been listening to a podcast produced by simplyvinny.com. Stop by our website, read our blog, Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and all that jazzy promotional stuff. But remember, I'm the podcaster that likes to remind you when life throws a monkey wrench at your head, Jesus is still the logo, the reason, the logic, the word that builds your life back all the way to the kingdom of God. Until next time, God will be blessing you. See you at the next podcast.